And happy Valentine's Day, church. All right, guys, have you been treating her good today? You know, this is the one day per year where you have to do that anyway, whether you feel like it or not. So uh, we should do that all the time, shouldn't we? Should we take a poll, ladies? Let's just, let's just make sure we're all on the same page here. Ladies, how many would say today your husband has treated you special because it's Valentine's Day? How many ladies? Good for you. Good job, men. So everybody's looking around taking notes. Who's the guy she's sitting next to? Let's see. Did he get that right? I won't have you raise your hand if it's the other way around. Um, you just, just kind of give him one of these. And we'll, we'll, know, we'll know what that means. Okay, well, anyway, we, if you're here with your Valentine or whether you're not, we are so blessed to serve a God who loves us. And we really define love. We really understand what love is because of his nature and the way that he gives to us and the way that he provides for us. And we, we worship and we have the privilege of loving a gracious God who loves us in return. Amen? Our good shepherd. And turn to Psalm 23. We're going to continue our study this morning, this series, The Shepherd and the Sheep. And um, we, we made a correlation last week between Psalm 23 and John chapter 10. So that's a good study, by the way, to, to parallel those two passages. Compare them, contrast them. They, they, they give light to one another. Jesus is speaking about the very same concepts that David is speaking about in Psalm 23 when he writes and, re- and is recorded in John chapter 10. Okay, so we started in Psalm 23, but we're going to be in John chapter 10, so I'm giving you a second to get there. John, Psalm 23, let's see where we are in our psalm. Verse number 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And we're still looking at that concept of him making us to lie down in green pastures. And that's what brings us really to John chapter 10. So just in the matter of review, because we're picking up where we left off last week. In review, we saw that in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And if, if Jesus himself, verse 9 of John chapter 10, if he's the door, then anyone that enters must enter through him. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Then what happens? After he's saved, it says, and we'll go in and out and find what? Pasture. The concept of the sheep coming in and finding pasture, finding that place where he makes us to lie down in the green pastures, where we find rest for our souls, where we're rejuvenated, where we're safe, where we're peaceful. You remember we looked at the, the fact that sheep um, really don't lay down very often. There, there have to be a lot of things in place already for them to feel safe enough to to lie down. And that's the things that we're looking at. But remember this, church, remember this. Whether you get all the outline answers this morning or get all the right note card fill-ins correct, regardless of that, listen to this this morning. John 10.10, the thief does not come except to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus the good shepherd said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Guys, check this out. The benefit, the result of Jesus coming as the good shepherd, giving his life up for us, taking the role of shepherd in our lives, the benefit, the way that that affects us is through what he calls this not just life, not just everlasting life, but abundant life. The picture of lying down in green pastures is really is really an indication that he's come to give us so much more in our experience of life because he's the shepherd and has provided that place to lie down for us. Do you see that? It's a, something that we cannot find outside of the pasture that he provides. Sheep need to be, remember, Jesus came to give abundant life. Sheep need to be what? Safe, peaceful, and fruitful. They just, they're a lot like us. They, they need that. And when they're not, they're agitated and they're restless and they're squirmy and they're like, they're like little three and four-year-olds all the time, which, you know, we think is funny because it's so evident in three and four-year-olds. But I wonder if God looks from heaven spiritually, emotionally into our lives, I wonder if we look like that sometimes. Just so unsettled and, and anxious and full of just this tension and strife always. And when sheep are like that, they cannot lay down and they cannot rest. So there are four things that need to take place, shepherds tell us, in order for a sheep 
to be able to feel like he's safe and secure enough to lie down. The first one we looked at last week, there need to be free from all fear. The second one where we want to pick up, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, is they also need to be free from friction with others. Friction with others. Um, Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I'd like to teach you something else about sheep. Um, you know, you've heard of the pecking order, right? The pecking order is, is that social order or the hierarchy that develops among chickens, right? Because they, they're peckers. And, and so that's where we coined that phrase from because some chickens like to assert themselves over other chickens and they like to dominate and, and you know, really for the stupidest reasons. And there are other animals that do the same. There actually is, I understand, a horning order, horning for those with horns. They do the same thing. And guess what? Sheep also have something that they do. It's called the budding order. Budding, B-U-T-T, order. And that's because sheep will constantly, when they're annoyed or bothered or think they should be annoyed with other sheep, the way that they respond is they butt them. They, they might butt them with their head. Whether, whether it's a ram or a ewe doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, shepherds tell me, shepherds tell me that the most cantankerous of sheep are usually the older females. I, hey, now I didn't draw any implications there. So if you're laughing, you're on your own. Okay? I know better. The older females in this church are the sweetest ones. Right? You, guys, you better say right. Okay. But, but the point is, it's not always just the rams. It's not those, those, um, the male dominant. Sometimes it's, it's the little squirrely ones. Sometimes it's the older females. And, and the, the idea is that, that, that when they're not happy with each other, and, which is quite often, there's a rivalry, there's a jealousy about getting to, to the certain place before the others. There's a selfish nature that they have, always trying to put one bef- themselves before the other sheep. They're sort of an insecure animal. Because if so many things aren't just perfect, they're agitated, and then the first ones they blame are the ones around them, and they begin to start bumping and nudging and stepping on, and, and this, is, this is sheep behavior, guys. This is what shepherds teach us and tell us about sheep. They can be mean to one another at times, and I think the same exists with God's people. Now, now are we talking about unchurched, lost people? No, we're not. Let's put some context to what we're studying here. Are unchurched, lost people without Jesus Christ going to be mean? Absolutely. We wouldn't expect them to act any other way. Without Christ, there is no love. They have no abundant life possible for them. There is no peace. There is no joy. All of that comes exclusively through Jesus Christ. So we're speaking about sheep that belong to the shepherd who come in and out and find pasture. Those sheep oftentimes will have rivalry, contentions, jealousies with one another. That also fits. So what's the source of the problem here with sheep? It's that they're sheep. That's the source of the problem. Now, let's, let's just, let me give you some training wheels and walk you along. What does that imply? Let's see. Sheep are the one animal that God himself calls us most like. In the scriptures, right? We've, we've agreed there. There are most comparisons to us to sheep. That's evident. In other words, we as the people of God also have a conflict with one another tendency. We, 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 we have strife and envy and jealousies. Why? Because we are human. Because it's our nature. That's just going to happen. It's not something that we would ever expect not to be tempted with or not to experience. It's something that very clearly is going to be hacking. There's a budding order in the church among the people of God. I really wanted to say something right there, but I probably shouldn't. Quit being a budding order. You know what I mean. These petty peeves that we have with one another. You know, I mean, it happens in marriages. It happens in families, between parents and siblings. It happens within fellowships as well, church congregations. We get so caught up 
and focused on and narrowed in on the things that bother us, the things usually, like sheep, that threaten our security or our perception of our security. There's a, there's a contention with somebody else because we have some sense that they're getting something that we're not. Or, or perhaps, perhaps we want what they can't even have. We want to put ourselves before them. We want to, it's okay if their life is falling apart, but ours can't be falling apart. That would be bad. And it, when it begins to look like the other way, we get bothered by that. We're bothered when somebody misspeaks. We're bothered when somebody doesn't act just the way that we expect them or think that they should act. Listen, guys, there's only one person that has the right to judge and determine everything you do and say. And his name is Jesus. And he's the shepherd. And when sheep begin to look and focus at one another, there's going to be some headbutting. And when that happens, they don't lie down. They're agitated and bothered. And it doesn't just affect the two sheep, it affects the entire flock. And there's divisions that happen. Well, James speaks to this issue. Chapter 3, look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Now watch this. He's speaking to God's people. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, demonic, he says. For where envy and self-seeking exists, watch this. That's what headbutting is. That's what contentions among one another is. When that exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But in contrast, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now let me just keep reading just so you get in the context. If you go on to chapter 4, verse 1, where do fights, wars, or some versions use quarrels come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war within your own members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Guys, just remember, James is speaking to the church. Okay? There is a lusting, there is a, there is a, a desire, a self-seeking, an envy that exists within your heart. Listen, can we just be honest this morning and admit that's something that all of us are going to experience from time to time. There's a self-seeking. And that always always is the source of conflict among God's people. It's, it's, not, it's not easy to avoid, but it's easy to understand. It's very simple. Whenever there's conflict between you and another brother or sister, whether it's in your marriage or in the church or anywhere in between, somewhere at the root of that quarreling, that contention is self-seeking, envy, somebody being selfish. We know that's true. That's where it comes from. That's the source. That's what he says right here. If you have this bitter envy in your hearts, he says, this self-seeking, it begins to fester. It doesn't get better, it gets worse. We, we have these petty peeves. Well, that really bothers me about some person. Listen, let's just help you. Whenever you begin to find yourself saying that, you know, in your own mind, hopefully, that really bothers me about that. Just stop yourself right there. Because that's the first step on a slippery slope that gets harder and harder to recover from. Because petty peeves, petty peeves that start off very petty turn into horrible, horrible hate. It festers and it grows and, and darkness adds darkness and, and selfishness breeds selfishness. And that cycle is just like cancer. It spreads in your life and it gets to the point where there's hardly no stopping it. This quarreling that exists, it comes from self-seeking. Putting ourselves, petty peeves turn into grave grievances. So what's the solution then? First of all, we deal with them before they get out of hand. Right? I'm not ridiculously naive enough to say, you should never feel selfish or bitter or envious toward any other person ever in your life. Well, that's the standard, yes. But will that happen to you? Am I? Did I come to the right church today? Am I in the right parking lot? You look familiar. Yeah, you look like my sheep. Hey, you will experience it. And so will I. On a daily basis sometimes. So, so the solution becomes very important. The problem is, is one another. The problem is that we are sheep. 
We are weak that way. Turn to John 15. I'm going to show you the solution. I'm going to give you the answer right here. Listen. Guys, Psalm 23 is so life-changing. It's the same answer no matter what the question. When it comes to, when it comes to how is it that I can experience the abundant life that he's provided for me? How can I lay down in green pastures with the good shepherd, with the Lord Jesus, and find rest for my soul and be rejuvenated? How can I find that? The answer is always the same, no matter what it is that precludes us from being able to experience that. I don't know if you remember the answer from last time, so we're going to look at it again in this context. John chapter, where did I say? John 15? Am I in the right place? Okay, look, John 15, look at verse 9. See what Jesus says. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Now watch what he says. Every once in a while, come check out my love. Did you see that? Did I read it right? Thank you. Some of you are awake. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. When you're at church, come to my love. When you're feeling very good about yourself, experience my love. When the birds are chirping and it's sunshiny outside and there's no clouds and all the stars are lined up just perfectly, then stay and experience my love. That's not what he says, is it? What does he say? Abide. Remain. Exist. Live. Set up camp in my love. The only way to do that, see, when Jesus talks about us abiding in him, the concept is that we follow and go to him. Wherever he's going, that's where we go to. It's the shepherd leading his sheep. Guys, you need to understand this. This will help many of us experience peace in our life. The shepherd doesn't follow you. You follow the shepherd. You see, that's a whole, that's a whole world view. We think that we just kind of go into life sometimes and face life the best we can and take on people as they interact with us, and, and we're bringing Jesus with us. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. I got this relationship. I got this agenda. I have this hobby. This is going on in my life. Here's this. That's entirely the wrong focus. I hope what you're learning in your small group studies through the Experiencing God study, I hope you're learning to change that focus to where Jesus becomes the center of life, to where we run and pursue and set our course to wherever he is working in our life, and then the relationships, and then the circumstances, then everything else comes out of that. That's what he means when he says, abide in my love. Are you with me? Is it out there? No, it's right where Jesus is. Are we supposed to stay there? Yes. How do we stay there? By taking him with us? No, by following him, staying with him. Here's the solution. Put Jesus at the center of your relationships. Let the Lord himself be the one that dictates and determines the nature of your relationship with other people. Abide in his love. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you that my, watch, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. How do we do that? By abiding in his love. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, the, the world teaches us, church, the world teaches us sometimes that we've got to stand up to people. We've got to stand up for ourselves. The, the mantra of success in Western civilization is basically this. You can be successful if you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, if you take the bull by the horns, take on life, stand up to people who stand in your way and resist you, and persevere. That's, that's Western civilization mentality. That's the way our culture thinks, okay? But, but be careful. That's a cultural concept. That's not a biblical concept, The biblical concept is in contrast to that. It's much different. It has to do with not stand up for yourself, but lie down. Submit 
surrender, yield, give preference to. I must decrease that he must increase. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. You see all those principles are, are talking about the very same thing. They're letting God control the nature of how we act, how we live, and how we respond. And that always, always indicates some degree of surrender. You, you, you're not responsible for your own successful relationships. You're not. You're responsible to abide in his love and to treat others as he's treating you. With the same love that you're abiding in that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, that very distinct, different kind of love, that's the kind of love that we're supposed to live in. Set up camp. You know what that means? That means you do the same to the people around you. That's how you govern and direct your relationships with people. That's very true on Valentine's Day. We want to make sure to point this out. That's very true in intimate love relationships between husband and wife. It's, hey, listen, marriage counseling 101. Here it is. We can do it in three minutes. I only charge you a third of the price. Just, just kidding, I don't charge anything. Somebody's eyes went this big. Forget I said that. Watch this. Save you all the time. Love one another as Christ loves you. If that determined our behavior... If that was something more than just what we write on the walls and, 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 and put on our license plates and, and all those things, if that's actually how we acted, listen, you would find that you're able to lie down and find rest. Stop fighting with people. Stop quarreling. I'm going to say this because I love you, church, truthfully. Now I'm being very serious right here. This is something that you, you don't say to people as a pastor unless you really love them and care for them. Because I, I deeply long for you to experience the abundant life that the Lord has for you. If you find yourself as one of those people, no matter how old you are, and you're described as a quarreling person, if you're the one always bickering, always fighting with people, arguing with people, you know, sometimes in, in America, we, we can kind of wear that as a badge of honor. Let, let me just ask you, carefully examine why that is in your life. Why, what causes you to always be unhappy with other people? What's the source? What is it that you're looking for? What do you really long for and need to happen so that you would have no quarrels with anyone, that you could be actually be 100% completely, completely at peace? What would it take for you? What's the issue? What's getting in the way? What prevents that? Where's the solution found? It's found by abiding in Jesus' love. It's found by running to the Lord. The sheep, listen, can you imagine two sheep butting heads and, and, and fighting over the silliest, stupidest things that sheep would fight over, like who's going to get in front of the other one to get the drink of water first or something like that, right? S something silly. And as the shepherd, your view is, come on, sheep, this is a waste of time. We don't, you don't need to be doing, watch, come right here. You lay down right here, you lay down right here. See, now isn't that better? Look, aren't you, isn't that nice? Enjoy the breeze. Look at, look at how wonderful things are really around you. You didn't see that a minute ago because you were focused on one another and you were so uptight, so anxious. You weren't experiencing my joy. You, you see, the difference between when they were and they weren't really had them just to do with, okay, okay, shepherd, you, I'll, just do, I'll just stay right here where you put me and do what you say. There's an immense amount of peace that comes with that. Enjoy. That's the solution, church. When, when it comes to your relationships, two helpful hints here. Number one, put Jesus at the center of your relationships. Put Jesus at the center of everyone. You have a conflict with somebody? I was going to pick Joe, but I'm not going to pick on Joe today because we don't fight very much. I'm going to pick on Jim. He's sitting right up front. So if Jim and I are in conflict and, and it's, he said this and you said that, and you didn't say that right, and, I, and I'm just mad at you, and I can't, I don't want to look at you right now. I hope I don't see you when I come to church. You know, all those kind of things that begin, don't look at me like you're so spiritual. It happens all the time. Are you kidding me? And, and there's something that happened, right? And we have a relationship. 
and it's strained. It's in conflict. This is what, what, this is what we do. If you can literally imagine the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the Jesus that died on the cross? You remember him? The one who we say is our Savior? Remember all that he said? Remember all that he did in his life? Remember all that he represented? Put him right here. And your imagination, if he is literally right there, if he's holding Jim's shoulder with one hand, and he's holding my shoulder with the other hand, how does that change the dynamic of what I expect from Jim, what I expect from my life, in order that I might give to Jim? It changes radically when the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ enters. That's not something that we do just out of piety, out of, I know the right answers to fill in Sunday school. That's something that we're supposed to do in everyday life, putting him at the center of the relationship. That everything that we talk about, all of, all of what I think about you, all of what I expect from you, all that I offer to give from, to you has to do with the G- Jesus Christ character, the nature of Jesus, what he says to us together, and what he expects of us in our relationship together. That's what it means to put Jesus at the center of your relationships. He makes me to lie down in green pastures in that place. Secondly, always choose Jesus over prominence. Choose Jesus over prominence. That means me first. You having trouble putting somebody else before yourself? Okay, start here. Put Jesus before yourself. Because here's what he's going to do. He is going to serve them. So when you put Jesus first, instead of yourself being prominent, that puts you in a place where you're naturally servant-minded toward others. Stop seeking to get all that stuff that you want to get. I wonder what it would be like. Young, Young families, those with young children, listen to me for a minute. I wonder what it would be like if we never wanted anything in life except the Lord. I wonder how that would change our parenting. I how it would change what we invest our time in. What if he was the one we wanted and everything else just literally came as a result of that? And by the way, that's called being a disciple. That's exactly what he calls us to do. And it's hard because we let go of these pursuits and these desires and these things that we see, all these flashy, shiny, trinkety things around the world and, and these, these endeavors that we want to go after. And, but I need to be this and I, I, need to, I need to feel like everybody esteems me and loves me and respects All that stuff that the world tells us. We have to choose to let all that go. But, but, but here's, here's what happens. We choose to let all that go. Then we experience something that's real. It's called abundant life. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep have to be free from conflict with one another. Friction. The third thing sheep have to be free from is pests. Free from pests. You know what pests are, those those buggy things. Turn to Acts chapter 9, if you will. I want to show you. Here's a principle, okay? In this life, you will be bugged. That's just a certainty. No matter who you are, what your background is, you will be bugged. There's going to be pests. There's going to be bugs. And they're not always literal bugs. Sometimes they are. But they're just like bugs, the things that happen to us in life. They're annoying. They're, they're irritating. In the sheep's life, they have they have these common bugs that, that uh, I've read this last week: nasal flies, bot flies, warble flies, fleas, and ticks. That's that's sort of the natural bug enemy of the sheep. And you know th- th- those those little bugs get into the sheep's wool. And could you imagine? I mean, like all the hair that I have, if bugs get in there, it's hard to get them out. I mean, I got a lot of hair to worry about. You imagine all those little fly eggs and larvae and itchy bacterial driven stuff getting tangled up and caught in all that wool. 
And how, I mean, just like, ah, get off. And that's the way sheep are. When, they're, when there's a bug problem, they're very restless. They stomp their feet a lot, like cows and, and horses do, getting rid of the flies, right? And they're rubbing up against stuff all the time, losing sight of where the shepherd is or where their sheep are because they're so, so consumed with this, these bugs that they're trying to get them off. Sometimes they'll roll around and get stuck, and we're going to talk about being cast pretty soon, being stuck upside down, not able to get right side up. They do all kinds of weird, funky things when they're being bugged. And guys, guess what? You do too. You and I as sheep, we get so, when something bugs us, when we're annoyed, when we're irritated, agitated by something in life, whatever it is, we get so distracted, so caught up, and, and we're not able to lie down and rest, are we? We're not able to find the joy, the, the abundance of joy. We're not able to find the abundant life that Jesus has for us. We're too, we're too focused on alleviating ourselves from the annoyance of whatever bug is bugging us. Okay, time for you to write something down, if you haven't already. I want to ask you to consider writing down something on your outline card that bugs you. Maybe it's right now something in life that's bugging me, a person, a circumstance, a situation. You know, you just, you catch yourself always thinking, oh man, that, that really, that bugs me. If you really want to know what it is and you can't find it, go look on your Facebook homepage. You'll find it. It's the stuff you write about all the time. It's the stuff we complain about. And it's annoying. It's, it's, it's itchy. Now, when it comes to sheep, shepherds have learned that the one thing that keeps them soothed, healthy, and free is to provide an ointment on their skin. And they have their own concoctions. I don't know what it is. But they provide this ointment on their skin and then it repels those flies, but it also soothes their skin. So when there are annoyances, because you just can't get rid of them all sometimes, it, it, give, it soothes them. It gets rid of the annoying, irritating itch. Because listen, sometimes there's just no preventing all the bugs from being there. You will be bugged. There is no place in the life of a follower of Jesus to be without being bugged. Jesus was bugged? Think about it. You don't think Jesus was bugged? Oh, Lord, when will they grow up? When will they get it? You of little faith. What do you think that is? You bug me. It's annoying I have to stop. So what's the solution? Again, there's a pattern developing here. I'm ho- hoping you're catching what it is. Sheep cannot get the bugs off them, but they have learned when they're very buggy, when they're annoyed, irritated, they've learned to come running to the shepherd. It's the shepherd that provides the ointment, provides the salve, that, that provides... Something that relieves them, that helps them. And they don't know any place else in the world to go other than the shepherd. You see why sheep make such a perfect example for our lives? You cannot escape some things that will just bug you. And and listen, sometimes it will irritate you and there's actually a rash, an effect on your life. A wound. You've been hurt by something. God provides an ointment for us. Acts chapter 9. Now this is an interesting passage. This is a passage talking about that when the Apostle Paul was saved, that he came to the church and the rest of the church was afraid of him. You know why they were afraid of him? Because he had been the biggest bug in their life. <laughs> he was the bug. He was, the, he was persecuting the church. He was killing. He was leading the charge for going after the church. And when he got saved, he was radically changed. Just like what happens in our lives when we meet Jesus. And he was so changed, and God began to use him in the church, and there was, there was a lot of questioning, a lot of, what, you're, you're all of a sudden for us now? You were against us. And there's a lot of potential conflict that arises. I want you to read in verse 31, this one little verse. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. Now watch this. And walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort 
of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. You remember what we see? Sheep have to be peaceful. And what was the last one? Fruitful. Multiply. How on earth does the church get to the place where even though we're annoyed, even though we're bugged, even though there's conflict and and trouble and wounding, that we're still able to be multiplied? It's called the comforter. Who's that? It's the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus in John 15, 16? It says, I will send you the comforter. He will come and help you. The paraclete in the Greek, the one who comes alongside, shares, carries the burden, and helps, provides comfort. Listen, I want you to know this, church. There are times in life, listen, there are times in life where there just is no way to avoid being irritated, being wounded, okay? That's going to happen. Jesus said, in this life, you will suffer trials of many kinds. They will have their impact and their effect on you. It's not always easy. Sometimes it leaves a scrape or a rash on your heart or some effect. And we don't want to go on living the rest of our life having that one event, that one circumstance, that one relationship constantly bugging us, constantly irritating, getting inflamed so we can never rest and experience the joy and the peace that he has for us. So he's given us the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to come and just provide soothing. Did you know that? Did you know that God has provided something of his own nature, his own character, so that when you go through difficulties in life, that he's able to not take them away, but soothe and heal your heart, to soothe your soul in spite of the bugging, annoying, irritating events that are happening around you? I don't know about you, but that's relieving to me. I'm glad to know that if I will come to Jesus, if I will abide in him and his word abide in me, that the Holy Spirit will reside and fill me up from the tip of my toes to the top of my head, everywhere in between with his soothing, comforting love. Do you see how blessed we are, church? The world doesn't have that. What is the great benefit that Jesus came from heaven to earth to be our Savior? Eternal life, yes, but also abundant life. And abundant life includes being soothed, being comforted. When no, what do you, you can't go, can't go turn to some book or some person or uh, fix it. It's the Holy Spirit who's the comforter. And then we're finally able to lie down, free from pests, the pests of life. Finally, sheep need to be free from hunger. Free from hunger. I'm kind of like that. I can identify very easily with this one. When I'm hungry, everybody knows it. Is that true, honey? In my family, the first question, if dad's being grouchy or Julie thinks I'm being grouchy, the the first thing is, would you like a sandwich? Do you need to eat some cereal or something? They just know. I get hungry, I get restless. I'm not able to lay down and rest and be rejuvenated and have my soul restored when I'm hungry. All I'm worried about is getting food. That that sound in my stomach and that feeling drives me nuts. That's how we are as sheep. But it's not always just food that we're seeking after. It's something else. It's a possession. I just got to have one of those. I just, I'm always, I got to, a lifestyle. If I could finally get to this place where I can have these things and do this and, and people would look at my life and see this, then, then, I'll, finally, then I'll finally be okay, right? Uh, a certain reputation that if people, when they see me, would, would, would think of this or they would know this, then I'll be happy. I'll finally be okay if they would see me that way, if I would have that kind of reputation, And we're constantly hungry for all kinds of stuff out there in the world. Jesus said, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, 
nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. Your Father knows that you need things. But seek the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added to you. That's the passage that says, listen, if you will put seeking what the shepherd's doing, his business, God's kingdom, if you will seek after that, then you don't have to be worried about whatever else in life that you might need to make you feel content, to make you feel whole. Whatever it is you're looking for, listen, the answer isn't found anywhere, anywhere in the world. But it is found, it is possible to experience lasting peace, contentment, and joy without interruption, abiding in Christ and seeking His kingdom. We're still seeking something. The question is, what are you seeking? Interesting. Um, You're familiar with that passage in Luke chapter 12, perhaps, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I want you to listen to the verse after that. Listen to what he says. What's the concept? Don't seek after yourself. Don't keep longing after that stuff. Seek after God's kingdom, his agenda, his ways, presence with him first, and he'll provide everything you need, right? That's the concept. Now watch what he says. Verse 32 says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then he talks about going on and selling what you have and giving it to help others. Listen, that's, that's flock business. Sheep need to rest and ruminate. When they eat, when they finally get food, the, the shepherd has to get them to finally be okay and lay down because they, they can't burn calories right away. They have to sit and let it, they have to rest and let that rumination process happen. Now, now, we don't necessarily have that physically, but we do have that need spiritually. We do have that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then these things will be added unto you. Take heart, little flock of God. Do not fear. God is able to give you everything you need in his kingdom, in his ways. Check this out. How busy have you been the last week or two, month, year? I'm just asking. Some have been busy, some haven't. But what has consumed your time and effort? Like if you were to sit down and look at your calendar over the last several weeks, what kinds of things are keeping you occupied, keeping your attention focused? Now there's all kinds of answers, and it's different for everyone probably. But it's a good exercise to do because it shows and reveals where our priorities really are in life, what it is that we're seeking after. And here's what I want to ask you. Is there time on your calendar for resting and ruminating? Say, I don't know. What what does resting and ruminating look like? Does it mean a nap on my recliner? Then no, I don't have time for that. It's not what it means. It means have you set aside, listen friend, have you set aside daily time to feast and be nourished by the word of God, to let God's word feed your soul. And then listen, and then listen, some point in your day to stop and ruminate on what it is that God is trying to show you and do in your life. When God feeds you from his word, listen, it's not a quick, quiet time, 10, 15 minutes in the morning so I could check off my list. I was in God's word today. I did my devotional. I had this. I did my study. I, I did. That's not the point. The point is God's speaking to your heart. And when God speaks to our heart through his word, there's a process of meditation that can occur where the Holy Spirit applies what it is we're hearing and reading. When God says, hey, by the way, that part of me that I just showed you in the word, that's where it shows up in your life. That's the nourishing, the the breaking down of the nutrients of the food of the word of God to show you how to grow and how to live and how to be sustained so that you will lie down and find rest. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, listen, there is nothing more important in your life than time alone in God's word every single day. Make it a priority and allow some time for God to really speak and build and nourish in your life. Make that time. There's no one who doesn't have that time in their life. If you tell me there's no time for that in your life, then listen, friend, you better change something. And you better change it fast because what's going to happen is you're never going to lay down. 
Well, what's the point there? You're never going to rest. Well, so what? I'm, I'm strong. I can handle it. That means you will never experience the abundance of the Lord's life. You can't afford to miss that. Because you'll end up on your last breath, exhausted, spent, full of regrets, missing opportunities that God wanted to use in your life to glorify his name and for you to find rest. What a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That means he prevents freedom from fear. That means he prevents my life freedom from friction with others, freedom from pests in my life, and freedom from all hunger so that I can rest and ruminate and experience the joy of my salvation. Listen, right here, right now, even today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you as a church this morning and we're so grateful to learn how incredibly loving you are and gracious to us. You've provided for us and you continue to provide. And as you're praying, maybe you're here this morning and um, you're not sure if you really belong to the flock of Jesus. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever stopped at some point in your life and said, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I accept what he did for me by faith and receive forgiveness of all my sin. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, if that's never happened in your heart, let me invite you to do that right now. Settle this issue and be saved from yourself by God's grace right now. Pray with me like this. Father, I know that I sin. I am a sinner. And yet you died on the cross for me, for my sins. This morning, I just surrender. I let go. I trust you and believe you died on the cross for me, for my sins. And I accept it by faith, your forgiveness. We've come and experienced his um, pasture. Lord, help, help me to see you in my life this week. Turn to you, put you at the center of my relationships. Abide in your love. Whatever's going on. And I want to ask you, invite you, if God's speaking to your heart, this is a response time. If you'd like to come forward, maybe come forward, just stand and pray, kneel. However God's speaking to your heart, if you'd like to respond, the altar's open. It's an invitation time for you to come and just simply make a commitment to God, be grateful to God, worship in your own personal way. Come find rest for your soul this morning. The good shepherd makes you to lie down in green pastures. Would you come? God's speaking to your heart, you come. irritation in life. I'm just so bothered. I ask for the comfort only you can provide, Holy Spirit. I'm stressed out. Anxious. Distracted. Unsettled. This morning I've heard your word and I know I come and just lay it at your feet and just do what you say to do, there will be abundant life and peace. If I choose to do that, Lord, help me.
you are a good shepherd, Father. We confess that and praise you for it this morning in our worship service, exalting you who makes us to lie down in green pastures and there's nowhere else we want to be this morning. We come to you. Thank you, God, for this flock. Thank you for leading us, feeding us, protecting us. We worship you this morning and we love you this morning. We exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. God's good to us, church. God is good. All right. Hey, listen, would you take out your response card? That card Pastor Matt called our attention to early on in the service. Put your name, other information on the front. And then on the back of that card, uh, I feel like sometimes a broken record. I know you you say this over and over again, but you just never know. Look, that card is for you to communicate to us. You might put a prayer request on the back, check one of those boxes that might apply. If you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning with me, would you check the box that says that on your card? Make make sure you do that. We'd love to help you. But, But also, there's some blank lines in that card. Could everybody, if there's a pen or pencil nearby, could you take that out and just write something to God on that card? It's not for me. I'm not testing and quizzing and seeing if everybody got the right answers. This is for you to give to God. What is it that he wants from your heart today? If we walk away from this place, church, having heard the truth from God's word and never made a commitment of response, then we've missed God this morning. If you speak in our heart and working in our lives, write something on there. Make it important. Sign it. God, this is what you showed me. This is what you told me. Here's what I'm praising you for. I worship you for this. Thank you. Help me. I will. Put that on your card. As the guys are going to help with the offering come forward at this time, um, I ask you to just put that card in the offering plate. They're going to make sure to get that plate all around, make sure everybody can put one in this morning. Also, I ask you to uh, worship through tithes and offerings. And God has been so faithful. He's the provider, right? He's the shepherd. He owns everything. Church, does God own all that is? He does. Our tithe is a way for us to show him that we appreciate that and that we trust him to keep providing for us. And so we give that tithe that's holy unto the Lord, and we give it generously, sacrificially as an act of worship, and God blesses that. Kevin, you going to lead some prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for... um the green pastures and, and all that you give us. Thank you for this facility, this pastor, this message, and the opportunity to rest in you. Thank you, Lord. And right now, our, our tithes and offerings and gifts, we, we give to you as an act of worship. And uh, we just pray that they'll be used to your will. I just thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this way. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.